All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that our journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson. My good friend Greg Ferrand and I are also on this journey of becoming. We are both dedicated to inviting you into our journeys and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey that we all find ourselves on. We want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of our biggest allies. We have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And we believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, and hanging out today, although in North Carolina, like always, is Greg <laughs> Ferrand. Greg, how's the the weather in North Carolina? Oh well, it's been uh, that's it's always good to start with a weather report, uh, right? as we always do. <laughs> Small talk. Yeah, never. Yeah. It's, it's either hockey or weather. You know, one of those things. Beer. Uh, it's actually a beautiful day. Beer. Uh, you know, you, and you give a nod to wine, but you're, you're really judging, judging the fact that I like wine more than beer, uh, yeah. on the regular, Small but the weather's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't think we broach that. So that'll be another episode. That's a different episode. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so the weather is fine. That's good. It's been like a super rainy and yucky here for the past two days. So, but we need it. Cause like, you know, grass growing and such, um, but I did. I played hockey yesterday, Greg. Since you said hockey, now you're going to get me started on it. I I did not mean to start that conversation topic. I, yeah, we way can, to go. We... <laughs> now, like we're screwed. Now the whole conversation, this whole no, podcast I'm... derailed. We have to. I start just want over. you to look at my. I want you to look at my eyes across the Zoom and see the <laughs> level of disinterest. And there's that doesn't mean I don't love you, but I just don't care about hockey. There we go. We're still, like I said, we're still praying for your soul and your uh, eternal salvation uh, with the uh, hockey gods. So we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> not... perhaps what would be more interesting is if uh, we invite our guests into the conversation, uh, which today we have hanging out with us, uh, Brittany Mueller. Brittany, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for Sweet. being here. We're we're excited about our conversation today. I think it will be, uh, I think it's, it's stirring. I think it's interesting. I think for some, it'll be disruptive. I think for others, it'll be really encouraging, which is the, the mark of a good uh, conversation and also I the mark so. of a good book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Brittany, if you're not aware, you wrote a book. Um. 
I am. I'm so aware at this yeah, point. <laughs> it's all I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> oh yeah, right on. Well, uh, so it's um, called the Contemplative Tarot, and yeah. So like to be honest, when I first got uh, an email from your publisher telling me about the book, um, some of my like past versions of Josh started yelling at me like, "Whoa, Tarot! Like, what is this?" Uh, but mm-hmm. then also it piqued my interest and um, my rebellious side was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then I, I hit up Greg and Greg immediately was like, yes, yes, of course. Uh, 100%. Uh, yeah. 100%. And uh, yeah, just both of us, you know, so it's interesting, uh, Brittany. And I know in your b- background, I'm sure you'll sh- share some of this. I, I believe mm-hmm. you grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and both Josh and I were at, at some points in our evolution uh, more conservative evangelicals. Uh, mm-hmm. And at that, at, at that point in time, you know, that was decades ago for me, but at that point in time, it was, you know, tarot was, that's just dangerous. That's like a cultish. And that's, oh, yeah, the, absolutely. The, 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 I mean, Catholics feel that way the, too. They're very yeah. superstitious. Yeah, that's um, the, the, and like, I mean that demons. in the most loving way, but like, <laughs> it's true. And, and now where we are, and I would, and I'll jump won't speak for Josh, Josh can speak for himself, but where I am now, I just think is, uh, really interesting, beautiful, and a, and a profound contemplative practice. And I think that one of the things I look forward to talking about in this interview is kind of the lens through which uh, we view it, obviously, and then mm-hmm. kind of what what are the values and kind of the different approaches that we can take to it. I think I've got like three or four different angles uh, mm-hmm. that I, I view it from. And I'm not sure about which, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned about which one's right, but more just that it's a beautiful contemplative practice mm-hmm. that on a spiritual level for me is grown my uh, awareness of who I am. Uh, it's been encouraging on the daily. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. also, I think, expanded my uh, limited perceptions of the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that wrapped into, you know, w- one fast and contemplative practice. But I, I guess out of the gate, could you just give us a a, a nutshell of uh, um, uh, your journey that, what you know, obviously no one sits down to write a book unless they actually are committed and passionate because writing a book is such a brutal uh, process. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so sure. what in your your journey kind of led you to write this book and, and what was kind of the passion that bubbled up to give you the strength and courage to sit down every day and, and write this? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, so like, like you had mentioned, I grew up Catholic um, and I came to tarot in sort of my like mid twenties um, during a time in which I was not really a part of organized religion, I was a lapsed Catholic for a very long time. Um, I had sort of a crisis of faith in college and um, just felt the need to be, to like take a break, I guess, from organized religion. Um, and it was during that time that I came to tarot because I didn't I didn't want to be a part of organized religion, but I really missed, like, I really like ritual and I missed ritual and I missed prayer and, um, I missed having that structure in my life. Um, and tarot for me was really a way to, um, sort of fill in that gap in my life. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who are really like, spooked by tarot because they see it as um 
this sort of occult tool or a tool for divination or fortune telling, which people can be really freaked out by. Christians can be really freaked out by. Um, but for me, I never used it for divination. Um, for me, it was just, it was a, a, a deck of cards. It was a set of 78 um, beautiful little images that for me really reflect my interior life. And the way I use tarot um, was so similar to the way I um, sort of conceptualized prayer that they wound up sort of becoming the same thing. <laughs> um, I, I eventually, like several years into my tarot practice, I realized that I was praying with tarot. Um, and so I started talking about this on Instagram and there were a lot of people who were also very interested um, in sort of seeing tarot in this way, um, especially people like myself who had grown up in Christian communities and didn't want to be, you know, a part of organized religion for, you know, a multitude of really good reasons but wanted to hold on to their faith in some way. Um, and for me, that was the real encouragement. Like I really wanted people, uh, the encouragement for writing the book. Like I really wanted people to um, have some sort of guide because there's not obviously a lot of information on tarot and Christianity and like merging the two or using tarot in a prayerful way. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think for me, like when I first just to kind of like <laughs> maybe reflect uh, your like given audience, you know, um, for me, I remember just only ever like growing up and seeing, you know, tarot cards in like the the like new age section in the bookstore or something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, <laughs> I remember this one time uh, I worked at a church in South Florida. And uh, the worship pastor there, my friend Marty, who previously was the, actually the the um, the co-host of this podcast, uh, somebody was like, they weren't tarot cards, but I think it was Bethel, which was like a church that Marty really liked, mm -hmm. made their own version of tarot cards or something. And I think I've heard about that. Yeah. And like yeah. the, the head pastor at the church I worked at was like giving Marty hardcore shit for it, for it. And Marty was really? like super irritated and angry. He was like, they're not tarot cards. They're not like blah, blah. Yeah. But uh, so like, I just think it's, it's interesting just the, the um, to like name that kind of uh, perspective or idea mm -hmm. that people have of tarot, um, especially like some of our listeners uh, might very well come from that kind of space as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know for me, when I first started kind of getting introduced to this idea, I actually heard about it through like this book, this massive tome. <laughs> Meditation. I love that tarot. book. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Really st started to like kind of make a resurgence, or at least I saw people like in circles that I yeah. and start to talk about it more. Did yeah, you got to name sure. the book? You you held up the book, but you didn't name it. The oh, meditations tome. on the tarot. Yeah, a journey into yeah, Christian yeah. hermeticism, um, which is a a freaking tome. <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it was cool then to see like your book come out with like after I just discovered this. Mm -hmm. Um, but for that all that to say, 
Um, like, can you just kind of give us, like, break down maybe some of the common misconceptions of tarot? Like, is it something that, like, witches use to summon demons? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe I get some that a of the, lot. Some of the history of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely have people, like, slide into my DMs to tell me that I'm, like, inviting demons into my life right, <laughs> by using <right>. tarot. Um <laughs> Yeah, like I said, people are very superstitious about it. Um, And I understand that. Um, But when I have people who are genuinely interested in having a conversation about it, which is not always the case, sometimes they just want to condemn me. But sometimes people are genuinely interested in having a conversation about it. Um, I love to talk about the history of tarot because it's not... um, It's not as, I think, esoteric people think it is um tarot originated in um the 14th century in in renaissance italy um and it was originally created as a card game for italian nobles um and the reason that there is so much christian imagery in the cards which is like an objective fact. There is a lot of Christian imagery in the cards and a lot of the cards are named after things like Christian virtues, um, like temperance or justice or, um, you know, biblical ideas like judgment or um, like the devil. Um, But the reason that these things exist in the tarot is because it came out of Renaissance Italy, which was a deeply Catholic culture, obviously. Um, And its original purpose was never divination or fortune telling or um, like revealing occult mysteries or anything like that. Um, It sort of bopped around Europe as an obscure card game for like 300 years and um, was sort of discovered by occultists in 18th century France. Um, And it was at that point during the occult revival in France that it became a sort of tool for divination, fortune telling. That was the point at which it became associated with the occult. Um, But I do feel like For a lot of people, tarot becomes a much less scary thing when they realize that it was not created as a tool for like occult purposes, Um, that its origins are actually like almost boring, Um, like very, very benign. Um, So yeah, but this is usually where I start with people who have like real misconceptions about tarot. That's really, that, I, that's fascinating. And it just like so many things, uh, I think the unknown, uh, it's just scared to people. I mean, I just think biologically, mm-hmm. evolutionarily, we're kind of geared towards looking towards danger. And if something's unknown, we automatically kind of triggers our amygdala and we get nervous. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just remember what, 30 years ago, yoga in America was like, that is dangerous. You know, the conservative yeah. Christian, uh, still to this. in fact, it, <laughs> It was just a number of years ago that someone caught up. Uh, so to my day job is uh, Second Breath Center, which is a you know progressive Christian space where we are you know teaching spiritual practices, mindfulness, meditation, breath mm-hmm. practices. And we had someone call us up, and they said, "Now y'all, yeah, we're in the South. Y'all seem are y'all liberal? 
And I just said, well, you know, we just said, well, why, why are you asking? Uh, and they said, well, I see that you have yoga on your site. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, our first starting point is capital L liberal for yoga. Oh I was like, gosh. I'm not sure, quite sure you're welcome. I'm not sure you're going to dig us. Um, but you just realize, I think that fear uh, of, of the unknown. And of course now yoga for almost all people, is just great uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and welcome. And I think it's, it's kind of the same evolutionary movement with, with tarot. I hope um, so. So I think so. I mean, I really, well, I think it's unfolding and it's, it's, it's everywhere now. And, um, uh, and I, I've got some thoughts, but another question for you just mm -hmm. so, so now in, in your, your use of it as prayer, um, mm -hmm. and not like fortune telling necessarily, you know, what, what does that look like? T tell us like a, a, a morning practice where maybe you've got your coffee and you're going to look at your tarot cards. What, what, how do, how do you approach it? And what does it like, what does it mean for you and your unique experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, I love to talk about it in terms of um, Visio Divina, which is a prayer practice that not everyone is familiar with. Um, so just to give like a sort of a brief definition, um, Visio Divina is an ancient prayer practice um, that translates roughly as divine seeing. Um, and it's a, a way to pray contemplatively with images. Um, it's similar to Lectio Divina, which I think more people are familiar with, um, where you like read a passage from the Bible and sort of contemplate on it and, you know, put yourself in the scene, et cetera. Um, but you can do the same with images. Um, and Visio Divina is most often used with religious images, like specifically religious art. Um, but I like to use tarot um, in this way as well. And so what I usually do, um, like I, I write about this in the book, my daily prayer practice that involves tarot um, for me involves a combination of right now, tarot and the liturgy of the hours, um, which is the universal prayer of the Catholic church. Um, it's basically, it's like what the like monks and nuns pray. Um, so what I do is I get my coffee always <laughs> um, and my tarot cards in my prayer book and I sit down and I shuffle my cards, um, which for me is a nice way to center myself Um because I, I like, I have two kids and a really, and a dog and like a really busy life. Um, and I need that centering. Um, so I shuffle cards and I pull a single card and I spend five or 10 minutes just looking at the card, which in itself feels like a really radical thing to do. Um, I've thought a lot about this is kind of a tangent, but I've thought a lot about how tarot can help us to um, see everything more intentionally. Um, I think a lot about how many images we take in every day, um, just like on social media and on the internet um, and in our daily lives. And for me, it feels very contemplative to give myself like 10 minutes to just look at one thing um, and, and not look at my phone or do anything else. Um, so I spend some time with a card 
And then I go through my morning prayer, which involves, um, you know, different passages from the Bible and some Psalms and things like that. And while I read through those things, I sort of keep the tarot card in my mind and it almost like it almost acts as like a lens or a filter for whatever I'm reading for the day and I feel like using the tarot card as a sort of filter can bring out different aspects of the readings that I might not notice otherwise um like I'm trying to think of a good example um Like I, um, I pulled the other day, I pulled the Empress, which for me um, is a really beautiful example of um, like God as mother and the sort of maternal nature of God. And for me, that really invited me in my readings to focus on um, the sort of aspects of God's maternal nature um, and the Psalms that I read that day that I like honestly probably would not have noticed otherwise. Um, so for me, it really does just act as like a, a sort of a different lens or a different filter for whatever my prayer is that day. Um, I don't feel like it's like a necessary practice, um, but it's a really interesting one. And I feel like it has opened sort of like, I guess, spiritual doors for me um, that would not have been opened otherwise. Yeah, I love the, I love the idea of like lens and mm -hmm. um, like, it, it makes me think of just how, you know, all of us are like inherently biased, right? We all have these biases mm -hmm. and the trick is just learning to identify what our biases are, right? That way we're mm -hmm. at least aware of them and that can help us, right? So for example, like me as like a cisgender white male, uh, I'm going to have specific biases that I bring just because of who I am, my life experiences. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm reading something, I'm bringing that to the text. And so I love that you talk about tarot as a way to kind of give you a different lens because it can kind of maybe help us break out of some of those biases that mm -hmm. we have and, you know, try to put on like a different uh, perspective like you mentioned like the justice card it's like oh mm -hmm. I'm now today I'm going to read this text through the lens of justice like oh my goodness look at all this stuff that I would have missed right? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I love that that's awesome and then also just um it made me think of too like one thing for me that has been um really big in my own spiritual growth and development is just this idea of awareness um, and, you know, becoming present uh, in the present moment, right? Because it's really the only place that we can ever be. So we mm -hmm. might as well be here. <laughs> and so um, when you're talking about, you know, using uh, a tarot card for like Visio Divina and like, you know, giving yourself fully to that card for like five, 10 minutes, um, that just really, that like sounds very intriguing to me. <laughs> Because that is that the practice of awareness, it can bring you back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And also, too, um, I think that uh, within the pages of the Bible, uh, which we don't actually, how often have I started a sentence like that, Greg? Within the pages of the Bible. <laughs> 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 I 
but within the pages of the Bible, uh, this idea of vision is like everywhere constantly, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus is constantly here healing blind people talking about, you know, if you have eyes to see talks about like scales being fallen, you know, falling off your eyes or veils being lifted. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Um, because like Greg has said this on the show before, how we, you know, talk about the kingdom of God is not a place we go to, but rather a lens that we see from. Mm-hmm. And so like using tarot to kind of give us that lens, right. Um, to kind of enter into the kingdom of God, so to speak, uh, I think is really intriguing and an interesting idea. That's got me excited when you were talking. I love that. I love it when I'm on a podcast and the hosts say things that like I get to think about. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm, I'm the kind of person who uh, has a really hard time, like, sitting still. Um, meditation has always been something I wanted to do, um, but it's been like a very elusive practice <laughs> for me. And for me, tarot is a way to like um, center myself and like having something to like look at and focus on while I meditate um, has been like really helpful for me. I love that. I love that. And, and just even in my own kind of as I've you know, evolved in my, uh, my own practices and approaches. W- one of the things that just struck me, you know, it was, I think I was kind of cracked open, you know, for a long time, I just thought prayer was prim- predominantly a cognitive interaction that was conversation based, you know, it, mm-hmm. I was taught it's acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, like it was just mm-hmm. uh, wrote. Um, and, 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 and then soon, it, but that's exhausting. And it's also not how real relationship works. You know, for example, some of the best times I have with, um, uh, people I know is when we're sitting in a room in silence or sitting, you know, walking on the beach and, and words would actually cognitive interaction would actually uh, hinder the connection and intimacy. Mm-hmm. But so, so just kind of broadening my understanding of, of prayer. Uh, and then one thing that blew me away is when I started studying uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who created the spiritual exercises. It's the foundation of all the Jesuits practice. Mm-hmm. But a huge part of that is imaginative prayer, where you're reading yes. these Bible stories and putting yourself in the story. You're there at Lazarus's tomb when they roll away the stone. You, you know, you're there uh, when the 5,000 are being fed and people are blown away. Or you're there on the boat when Peter steps out, whatever. And, and you can put yourself in these stories. And 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 so I started beyond even the biblical stories, just started putting myself in these imaginative situations. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by what was unfolding. You know, first the, it would start off with me kind of creating things in my mind, but then it would be like me watching and I had the most amazing insights. And so, so what I started nesting my prayer understanding was, is that you know we are immersed in divine presence that the idea that god's up there we're down here i think is a, a real dangerous leftover from kind of this mm-hmm. old telemic view of the universe where heaven's up and hell's down right, uh, right. but uh, versus what we we're experiencing uh, in understanding now is that we're utterly connected and immersed in divine presence and just as god can use our minds why couldn't god use our imaginations why couldn't uh, god meet us in all of these creative avenues um and so I approach Lectio Divina, I pr- approach Visio Divina with the belief that I am nested in divine love and presence. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit in, is at our elbow, just waiting to give us a gift. At any, if we're willing to step off out of autopilot, if we're willing to step off the hamster wheel of our cacophony of our monkey minds and make a little bit of space, I feel like it's almost like 
Tupperware that's been sealed too long. As soon as you crack it, like you vacuum sound, you know, I just feel like when we're willing to make space <laughs> out of our busy lives, just to pause, just to mm -hmm. be present, I feel like the divine just rushes in, in any way that we're open. And I love mm -hmm. the idea that God can use cards and the sun and friends and me studying Greek and also me doing a dance, uh, which no one wants to see and friendship and drinking coffee and beer, like everything, everything is an opportunity to grow our awareness of the divine and our existing connection. Um, and so I just, this fear-based approach of no, not that, no, not that, no, not that. I think it's born out of these assumptions uh, of a really dangerous worldview of pretty much, it's just a very much us, them, God, devil, uh, in, out, hell, heaven. Um, and I just think it is a a very limiting uh, belief structure that hinders our capacity to live into our potential as human beings. And what you're describing to me nests you, you, you with your coffee, you with that card, your choice. And I think uh, Josh and I say it all the time. We've undiagnosed ADHD. I've never been diagnosed, but I definitely haven't. So the idea of sitting quietly is really hard for me. Um, and I do it, but I but it's it's sometimes really helpful to just have a have something to do. And I've done everything from just taking a leaf. I mean, if you look at a leaf for 10 minutes, it is going to blow your circuitry apart as the, mm -hmm. the, the majestic intricacy and holy shitness of complexity of that one leaf. It's a universe. Yeah. And then I think the same thing with these tarot cards. And and I'm, and I'm going to get to a question, but I just, in my own evolutionary journey, you know, then I moved to some animal spirit cards, which were just these cool pictures of animals. And uh, you would draw one and it would some were like courage cards and some were like, you got to watch out for this. This is a rabbit day, you know, uh, versus a lion day. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was just a an opening, you know, how, how I viewed it was like, well, maybe it's my subconscious picking a card. Maybe it's God's hand leading me to pick a card or maybe I'm just picking a damn card and whatever's there is going to be an encouragement, you know, mm -hmm. and have application. Or maybe I just get to look at the picture of the lion on the card and just see its beauty and majesty. And, and again, it's an opportunity to step off the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. um, and now this, that's the same with my kind of how I view tarot. Um, so maybe continue. You just gave a, a beautiful example of an insight of you drew the Empress card and it stirred your heart to the divine feminine, um, which I think mm -hmm. is profoundly neglected in the West. And I think kind of the innately on a human sense, we know we need the divine feminine. I, I actually think that's why I might get some blowback, Josh, for this. For, forgive me for saying this on the podcast, but I really think that's why they, the, the Catholics kind of smuggled the divine feminine back into Christianity through Mother Mary. Like they just, yeah. they, 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 they knew they needed the divine feminine, but couldn't figure out how the fuck to do it, you know, in a, in a way that was within the masculine based Trinity. Uh, and so then they smuggled the divine feminine in uh, through Mother Mary. Because um, I think we innately hunger for that. What are some of the other, I mean, I know in your book, you go through all the cards, mm -hmm. uh, are the arcana, and all, all the different, the, the the major and the minor. Like, what are some of the other, along with that gorgeous experience of the divine feminine, what are some of the other insights or like, what are some of the other cards that have kind of blown you away with, boy, this really meets my need today, or this is exactly mm -hmm. what I needed to reflect on today? Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, I think I've been thinking a lot about getting, <laughs> I have a lot of tattoos, but I don't have any tarot tattoos. And I've been thinking a lot about um, like, if I got a tarot card as a tattoo, which one would I get? Um, and I think 
probably <clears throat> I would get the Fool, um, which is one of my favorite cards in the deck. It's the very first card in the deck. Um, and it's actually, so all the all of the cards in the deck are numbered, but the Fool is zero, um, which I find to be really profound. Um, and it's the first card I wrote for the book. Um, and I think it's really beautiful for me personally, um, because I am definitely um, an overthinker and I like to be in my head a lot. Um, and I like to intellectualize things. Um, and even with my faith, I don't, it's hard for me to be really like intuitive with it. Um, like I, I really like to, I like to read books. Um, like I, I am like a practicing Catholic now and there are a lot of things I don't love about the Catholic church, but one of the things I do love is that there is like a really rich intellectual tradition. Um, but I also feel like the over-intellectualizing um, really hinders my faith in a lot of ways. Um, and so the fool in the Waitsmith tarot, which is um, the tarot deck I used for the book, um, is an image of um, a young person with a dog at his feet, and he's about to step off a cliff. Um, it's really, it's um, a very like cheerful looking image, but also like really dramatic. Um, when you look at it more closely, it's like, oh, he's literally going to fall off a cliff. Um, and traditionally, the fool represents um, a sense of adventure and youthfulness and innocence. Um, but for me, when I pull it, I think about um, the, the Bible verse about um, how um, the wise must become foolish. Um, and I think about um, how often Jesus talks about um, needing to become like children in order to enter the kingdom of God. And um, for me, the fool is so much about um, our... I mean, we are how how we are required to give up all worldly power and prestige um, in order to like really follow Jesus, um, and how difficult that is for me personally, <laughs> and like for a lot of other people too, um, and how faith really is like sort of letting go of everything you think you know um, and like jumping off a spiritual cliff into the abyss of God, you know? I just, that's, it's so beautiful and profound to me. Yeah, I love that. I was actually reading uh, about foolishness this morning. So it's funny that you, uh, you mentioned that card. Um, Richard Rohr has a book that I like called The Wisdom Pattern. I've read a few times I'm reading through it again and he was just talking about um foolishness and uh 
basically, you know, how we, we have like our, our different paradigms and world, worldviews, like you were saying, and until those things are broken um, and we become like fools, uh, you know, I think that's really where a lot of spiritual growth happens. Um, and you're, you know, the, the idea of curiosity and stuff. And um, I really like the image of jumping off a cliff. Uh, when I first met Greg, um, like before we did this together, uh, him and I would have these conversations uh, because I was in these really weird spaces. And we use, he would use some of these images of like, um, uh, like a, a trapeze bar like, you know, the journey of faith can be like swinging through these trapeze bars and you just got to like, let go in order to grab the next one. And for me, it was always like, yeah, but not only am I doing that, but it's in a pitch black room and I can't see shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm afraid that below me is just like a cliff to fall off of. Right. Um, and like, I found that, you know, sometimes when you do swing, uh, you do have to just let go and fall into um, the darkness, I guess, to use, you know, if you're going to talk about like dark night of the soul or, or something like that, you have to actually lean into the darkness um, and push through it, not run from it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe at the you know bottom of that cliff, then you catch another bar or something. Um, but that's been like deeply profound and helpful for me. Um, so, yeah, I love that example. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, Brittany, it makes me think about you know what, what you're describing. I think some of us are um, just personality based, probably lean a little more uh, head centric, uh, intellectual. Mm-hmm. But I believe if if you're raised in the West, you're head centric. We have we are such a head centric. Absolutely. Um, and and we really and we talk about this on the podcast all the time that we 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 are been steeped in a culture that just says if you have enough information about something that you'll experience change and transformation so you know you need help the help self-help section of the bookstore is massive and i'm not mm-hmm. shitting on self-help books but i am shitting on the concept that just enough information will change us that i really believe that we can write and we've talked about this josh that you know josh that we can write dissertations on the love of god of forgiveness on social justice we can write dissertations on our parent mom issues and all of our things, but information alone will never change us. And, um, and boy, in the West in particular, we've become such a creedal, uh, information based, uh, system of doctrine centric approach to spirituality. And I, I, ironically, it's like the opposite of what actually leads to the fullness of life that Jesus taught, modeled and embodied. Um, and that instead, we really need to access the in, the brilliance of the heart and ground in our bodies. Um, and that's and that's where we experience it. And you're right. I think for those of us in the West, particularly those of us that are a little more head centric, uh, nested in our head centric West, it feels like we're uh, almost like turning out the lights. It feels like, you know, being willing to admit that the mind is limited in its capacity. It's awesome, but it's limited and then open up. Uh, to the 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 heart open up to experience it in the body but then again that's when we experience real change so i love that your card that your your potential next tattoo is the fool um and that that represents a uh, an intentional acknowledgement of the limited nature of just systems of doctrine and understanding and mm-hmm. opening up to an actual inner experience uh, of the divine 
of living in the present of your true self emerging uh you know because because i agree that and that to me that three-centered knowing head heart and body that's when we experience transformation and i love and i'm always looking for technology i'm always looking for tools and technology uh to help us make that shift and to me tarot as a spiritual practice as a technology is this this gorgeous uh opportunity uh to step out of the freaking f5 tornado of our busy minds uh and actually land in the present moment and open up to resting in the divine i remember the first time i was doing centering prayer years and years ago the idea of quieting your mind uh and, and allowing your thoughts to drift by initially i thought like no 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 that's dangerous you know that's you know apophatic prayer you know i, I didn't even know apophatic was a thing but the idea of letting thoughts go and being quiet that's dangerous as shit that's how the devil gets in which is boy that's a I don't even have time to talk about that. I just think it's not true on a very deep level. Um, and, and it's almost like, but allowing yourself to rest, almost like you're just floating on a lazy river into the present moment, instead of thinking we've got to do something and fill our minds with this cacophony of thoughts and rest into the present moment. You know, that to me, it was, it was scary because it felt like I was going to be nothing if I'm not, you know, like Descartes, I think therefore I am. And I just think Descartes, that was a good lily pad, but I don't agree with you, man. I don't think our thoughts define our identity as beings. Um, I think rather we discover our true selves in the quiet, uh, uh, in, in that nesting and resting. Um, so, so, uh, okay. So th that's, so maybe speak to Brittany, uh, you use this as a daily practice. It's been, in, uh, allowed you to have these insights of shifting just from head to getting into your heart and your body. It's opened you up to experience the divine feminine. What would you say like over time, over all these years of practice, kind of what have you seen on a, on a more macro level of your openness to this unique technology or spiritual practice? What have you kind of seen as the, the, the benefits overall? You, you mentioned it's not just in that moment. Like for example, when you're seeing the beauty of the Empress card and then you put it away, but the, the, the practice of looking at something with Visio Divina for how, how does that then ripple out to the rest of your day? And then how does, how do you find this practice kind of on a macro level rippling out to the benefit of your life and maybe beyond your life, obviously with this book, you're benefiting us now, but describe some of that for us, if you would mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do feel like, um, I feel like my tarot practice and especially the way it has um, sort of led me back to Christianity and a, a faith um, it's been very humbling <laughs> um, I I mean I grew up Catholic um, I spent especially like my high school years as like a very dogmatic Catholic um, I grew up in um, like a pretty conservative Catholic home. Um, I very, I like was one of those Catholics who very much felt like the Catholic church had all the answers, um, was not really open to like other like faith traditions or spiritual practices. Um, so for me to leave the church and then to come back to Christianity and specifically Catholicism through tarot of all things, um, has just been like a deeply humbling thing um and it has just made me feel much more open um and you know what you were talking about with 
um, you know, the idea of like quieting your mind um, as being like a really um, sort of scary thing um, really resonated with me. And I think there are, there are a lot of people who are scared of tarot because of its associations with the occult. I think there are also a lot of people who are scared of tarot because it is a very intuitive practice um, and people seem to be really freaked out by that. I have a lot of people who, um, you know, are interested in using tarot in a peripheral way and very much like want me to tell them exactly how to do it. Um, and <laughs> I have, I have a chapter in the book that sort of offers a guideline for like different ways to um, pray with tarot that was actually not in the original manuscript. Um, I hope that I'm like allowed to say this, but like I, I wrote it at the insistence of my editor. Um, and I mentioned in the first lines of that chapter that teaching someone how to read tarot feels like teaching someone how to pray um, because it really is different for every person. And I feel like um, there are a lot of people who grew up in really, um, you know, dogmatic traditions like I did, who are really scared to um, sort of try to interact with a spiritual practice that doesn't have strict rules, you know? Um, but I feel like for me, that was a really helpful thing. It was really scary at first, but ultimately was really helpful in teaching me how to listen to myself and how to um, sort of interact with the divine in ways that I never expected. Um, like, I think it's, I think it's good to be surprised by God. You know, I think that's possible. Um, and I think it's um, really spiritually healthy, you know? Yeah, I think you name something really important with the idea of like the intuitive aspect being scary to people mm -hmm. um especially too because like at least in the like christian tradition that i grew up in um that like intuitiveness was not something that was celebrated <laughs> but rather yeah, was something same. that was pushed away like mm -hmm. no you can't like don't trust your heart don't trust your body don't and like sometimes even don't trust your mind unless you know, your mind is agreeing with that thing that we said you should agree with. <laughs> um, so I think that's, that's really interesting um, to point out and name, because I, I didn't think about it that way. Um, and then also too, I just, I've always, you know, um, been a fan of, of story and uh, of hearing people's story. And I think story is really powerful because when someone shares their story and their experience, um, it's really hard to argue with experience, right? And so I just love hearing your story and this idea of, you know, walking away from the faith, so to speak, and then going to something like tarot, which so many people would be like, don't do that. And then that as like the vehicle or the mechanism uh, that kind of brought you back uh, into the faith, so to speak. Um, I just love that story. <laughs> For, for for so many reasons uh so thanks for for sharing that 
Yeah, it, it makes me think too, uh, Brittany, you know, again, we, we so limit our, we're, we're just, we, we so inherently limit how we engage with life and with God, this divine mystery <clears throat> that we call God. And it, it really is a sad thing when uh, we're so constricted. Because uh, I do think, you know, I, I feel like for years I was living in a tiny cave of my of spirituality and everyone in the cave said, this is the big wide world. And in fact, if you leave the cave, that's where the devil lives and, and everything bad will happen. And then it was and then leaving the cave, uh, getting the courage to leave the cave and get having lots of prices to pay for that, leaving that community, leaving my job, my steady salary, my reputation to kind of move out from that cave. Uh, and not only then, then it's like, I'm in the big wide world. I'm seeing mountain ranges and glorious oceans and clouds blowing by. And they're still yelling from the cave, you know, you're in danger, get back here. This is real life. And just realizing it's so limited. And to me, it's just over and over again. It's just, just like you were saying uh, earlier that as, as Jesus of Nazareth taught and modeled, he said, he said, look, what I'm pouring out, this wine I'm pouring out is so mind-blowing, you're going to have to have new skins. There's there's no way your existing paradigms will be able to contain, your existing lens on life will contain the universe exploding love truth that I'm dropping. You have to have a whole new paradigm and open up to it. Um, and when we begin, and I think that's what the spiritual journey is about, it, it never ends. The, the, because God is infinite, the experience is infinite. And, and, and there's, there's no level at which we say, ah, we've arrived at my expansiveness. I know now in my life at 50, that no matter how massive a new trapeze bar is, a new expansive truth that's discovered, and it feels like a wide open green field with blue skies, I know it's just going to be a matter of months before it begins to be constricted again. And I'm invited to let go to a whole new trapeze bar. And every single time it happens, I shit my pants. There's yet to come a time when I'm on a trapeze bar and I see a new trapeze bar coming to me and the capacity of letting go of my existing paradigm, of my existing wineskins, and allow myself the terror of the in-betweenness where we don't, we've left where we've been. We don't know yet where we're going. All we know is that we've had to expand and grow. And here we are in the terror of the in-betweenness. Um, one author said that he wonders if that is actually the only place we truly experience fullness of life is in the in-betweenness. Um, but what I feel like, what you're, what you're describing with this practice, with tarot and your own journey is an opening up to that. And I feel like, again, it the worst thing we can do is live asleep. I think the worst thing we can do is just live life on autopilot, which I think many, many, many people do. Uh, and I think that creating space for to be intuitive, creating space to be quiet, when we're intuitive and when we're quiet, what that means is the stuff that we've been avoiding and repressing maybe for decades begins to bubble up uh, and we're terrified of it. Um, and so much better to shove that shit back down and numb it out than, than choose to step in. But as you're describing, when you leapt off that, when the fool steps off the cliff, uh, he falls into the darkness, but then I really believe that underneath the darkness, then we find the divine. We experience the divine within underneath that. Um, so, and, and one thing you described too in your practice, along with not only on the macro map, I mean, that's the 30,000 foot level of tarot leading you back to the Catholic church. But how would you describe in, in kind of now the micro, uh, not just of the moment, but like, for example, when you spent that time looking at the Empress card or any card you're looking at, and then you're done with the deck, and then you get on with your busy day. What, what would you say? Like, are there is, is are there 
truths learned or, or are there, is there the new lens through which you've interpreted that or the new lens through which you've given your attention in Visio uh, Divina? How does that then impact your day? How does that change the way that you then operate uh, and kind of see things on, on the daily? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like on just like a, a bigger picture level, I feel like the practice of like really sitting with an image helps me to see everything in my day with more intentionality. Um, but I had, I also, I had talked earlier about how um, I felt like, um, you know, whatever tarot card I pull in the morning acts as sort of a lens for my prayer, but it also acts as a sort of lens for my entire day. Um, like, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, like, um, the other day I pulled um, the Ace of Pentacles, um, which um, in the book I wrote about it as, um, I, I write about the, the four aces as like different divine blessings. And the Ace of Pentacles for me is a representation of um, the gift of life, um, even in its like most mundane moments. Um, and um, for me, that's really helpful because I, again, as I have like talked about, I sometimes struggle to sort of like stay in the present moment um, and appreciate what I'm doing um, in any given moment. Um, and when I pulled the Ace of Pentacles, I didn't, like I, I read through my prayer and I didn't really make any like good connections between the Ace of Pentacles and what um, like prayers I had prayed through that day, which does happen sometimes. <laughs> um, it's not like magical all the time. Um, but then I, I, you know, as I went through my day with the Ace of Pentacles, sort of like in the back of my mind, um, it did help me to stay focused on um, like the really small, beautiful moments of my day that I sometimes just like let pass me by. Um, like I have, um, I have two kids, um, they're eight and nine years old um, and I love them so much. Um, but sometimes I fall into um this sort of trap of just like not um not like focusing on them or like appreciating them as much as I can and like that that day that I pulled the ace of pentacles that morning I spent the whole day with them just like looking at them in wonder like look at these like look at these people I made they're so beautiful and I see them every day and I like hug and kiss them every day and I spend time with them every day and I don't always recognize them for like the absolute miracles that they are like they just walk around like shining like the sun all the time it's 
I'm going to like cry about this now. Um, but I feel like um, for me, tarot is a way to, I don't know, be more intentional about the things that I focus on during my day. Um, yeah. I've like made myself emotional about this now. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Excuse me. Uh, Emotions are, are free to uh, be expressed at rethinking faith always. (laughs) When I, uh, when I was still a a pastor, um, my uh, students uh, would say that my superpower was crying. So it would happen to me often enough that that's a thing. So it's very understandable. Um, but I think too, it's just, at least for me, uh, when I move to emotion like that, it tends to be because uh, I'm bumping up against something that is um, true, I guess is the word, like, but true in the, tr- like big T true, um, mm-hmm. or like bumping up into the, the divine reality Um of love or something like that. And so when you come into like such contact or have a realization of something like that, I think that um, if your heart is open, then you have like no choice <laughs> because it's like the, the, the true beauty, like, Oh yes, this, this is what life is about. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the emotion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, you know, one thing that just makes me think of what you, you were describing you know, in almost all the threads of the 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 mystic traditions, whether you know it's the Jewish or uh, Muslim or uh, Hindu or Buddhist or Christian mystic traditions, you see this common thread. They they all sound very uh, similar uh, in the experience, but it's almost describing uh, spiritual maturity as the capacity to truly be present in the moment. I mean, kind of that simple, like actually being present in this moment, where I think we're so wired to live the majority of our lives, you know, thinking about the future, attempting to manufacture our security by thinking through all the potential things and how we're going to handle shit when it crumbles or goes down mm-hmm. or we're replaying the past. Uh, but uh, you know, the only, you know, I forget what poets said it, but the only moment we have to truly live is this moment. This is it. This, this Melissa, this moment is it. Um, and, 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 and the propensity for humans, as I said earlier, to live on autopilot. Um, and we just get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch TV, go to bed, repeat. And then we say, well, maybe I'll actually live when I go to the beach one week a year, you know, and, and we shrink, we, we just, we just live in, in, uh, on, on, on autopilot. Uh, it's, it's like when you're driving and it's, you've been driving a long time and you realize you kind of come back to, you and you're like, Oh shit, where am I? How, how long have I been driving? You don't even like, it could have been two miles. It could have been a hundred miles. You don't know. And it's like living life, uh, sh- in that uh, malaise Um, and what you described in your day. And this to me is why it's such a gorgeous spiritual practice. It's such a gorgeous invitation is that card in your, I don't know if you carry around your pocket or you just carry it around in your head and heart and body all day. But what, what that card did for you was consistently invite you out of autopilot into the present moment uh, mm-hmm. with intent, with intention and awareness so that you actually chose to, uh, every time you remembered it, it popped you into the moment with a lens of appreciation 
uh, instead of just saying, oh my God, I'm exhausted. These kids are frying me. When are they going to take a nap? When, when is mom going to get the time to put her feet up? Jesus. And instead when it, and I'm sure that there was an undertone of that too, because that's just being human. But even along with that, it wasn't just that note, but it was also the music inviting you to the beauty of the present moment. And that to me, that is fullness of life. You know, it's it's not some, it's not when the angels come blasting trumpets, you know, it's not the mountaintop experiences. It is in the mundane, it is in the daily where we begin to see that all of life is spiritual and every moment an invitation into seeing the beauty all around us. And it might be through your kids, uh, it might be through nature, it might be through a delicious bite of food or an amazing time raising a pint with friends, but it's it's always this invitation. Um, so, so with that, I really think this is a, uh, a really significant, beautiful practice. Do you, do you carry the, do you ever do that? Do you ever carry the card with you in the day or like, what, what, do, what do you use to kind of help remind you throughout the day to, to pop back in through that lens? Yeah, I don't, I don't carry the card with me throughout the day. Cause I feel like I'm always carrying so many other things with me <laughs> throughout the day. Um, but I do, I do also have a practice where, um, I I have like a little card holder on the bookshelf um in my bedroom and I will um so with like my morning prayer practice I'm always drawing random cards um but I also have a practice where sort of depending on um like what season of my life I'm in or what I feel like I need spiritually at the moment I will I will like choose a tarot card to keep like propped up in my bedroom that I can look at um sort of throughout the day while I'm like in and out um and I find that to be really helpful um in the same way that I find like like I have a lot of other religious art in my home like I have like Mary and like yeah, I'm seeing Mary. I'm me seeing right Mary now. and Mary Jesus um, with gold, yeah. the gold, that icon, <laughs> gorgeous. Um, and so I find that kind of stuff really helpful. Um, just to sort of like see throughout the day, um, to sort of like you were saying, to sort of bring me back in the present moment and to remind me about what's important. Um, and I think tarot can be used in that way as well. Yeah, I I love that idea. I um. I remember like in, you know, former uh, versions of Josh <laughs> uh, was not too uh, keen on things like uh, icons, religious icons, you know, because mm-hmm. as a good evangelical Christian, I was taught that those that's what Catholic people do. And that's idolatry. And they just worship pictures and stuff because they're weird. And <laughs> now actually like where I'm at um, currently, uh is that I actually, I really love um, icons and I've grown to like love things like liturgy um, and ritual, not because I think it's, you know, I'm earning something for it, right? Which is what I was always taught is that, oh, they're just trying to earn God's favor, whatever. But rather it's um, like this invitation to like step into a tradition of like people who have gone before you and like be a part of something bigger than yourself, uh, but also just the, like, I'm looking up because I have uh, three icons hanging right here over my head. And one of my favorite ones is the, um, I forget the name of the artist, um, but he was a Russian artist and it's uh, an icon of the Trinity. Um, it's really beautiful. And uh, one of my favorite things about it is there's like, so they're like sitting around a table 
um, you know, each member of the Trinity is kind of uh, represented. And then on the table, like on the front of the table, there's um, like a rectangle where it looks like something used to be there. Uh, and that's because uh, rumor has it that the original painting had a mirror that was glued uh, on the icon. And uh, so that you could see yourself um, in uh, communion with the Trinity. And like the, the members of the Trinity at the table all kind of have this like pointing to like this open seat at the table. Um, like you are welcome here, I'll show you. Um, yeah, I wanna see it. Cause I absolutely love it. Like, so this is the. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that icon. I just, yeah. I had not heard the story about like the mirror. Yeah, that so, so cool. that's that's what was supposed to be here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So I think I love that idea of using uh, tarot in a similar way. Um, just because even as like a reminder, like I have little statues and stuff now too that uh, I used to not care about, but I have like the statue, like the you know famous statue of like Mary holding uh, like Jesus when he's dead. I have like mm -hmm. a, I call him my Buddha Jesus. <laughs> it's like. Uh, he sits over here, um, but like, this is super cool. Right. So just those kind of things I've just really, um, grown more into more and more appreciation for just as reminders, as ways to come back to the present moment. Um, but then also too, to like heart back on, you know, we had a guest on recently, uh, Carmen, who she recently translated practice of the presence, um, which was her translation is beautiful. Um, and we had a fun conversation with her, but like all these kind of things too, is just another way for me to practice the presence <laughs> as a reminder to kind of come back to. And, um, at least for me, I get excited, you know, when I'm in my day doing something and then like, oh, I remember like, oh, you know, I'm in the presence of God right now and I can do everything that I'm doing out of, you know, the most amount of love. So I can imagine like, as you hold these, you know, this tarot card or whatever for your day. Um, I'm sure there's days where sometimes it's like, you don't really remember or think about it as much. Um, mm -hmm. but then sometimes there's days when like you're doing something and then you're, you're like instantly reminded and you're like, Whoa. And it's like this deeply like spiritual and beautiful moment. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it, it, it makes me think about, you know, what, what Cynthia Bourgeau said, you know, I think she said this maybe in the wisdom of Jesus, uh, but she talked about how. It, you know, it, unless you intentionally begin to cultivate an, an inward journey, that your identity is going to be shaped, you know, kind of on the level of the ego. Uh, and you might mm -hmm. be a NASA rocket scientist, you might be a bishop. And unless you begin to choose to walk into the seeming darkness of the interior journey uh, with intention, then you're you're never going to really discover uh, your true self, and and that's what you're describing that to me. This is such a beautiful and, and and then of course we make it so freaking complex and messy. Like uh, we try to make the spiritual journey uh, so uh, head based and about believing all this shit. Like I know for years I thought that's why I, st I studied Hebrew and Greek to read the Bible in its original language, thinking I could just get a, a handle on it, then I'd experience transformation. And again. Was it fine? I, I'm not sad that I did that. I can say that it it, it did not change my life. Um, 
And instead it was, and I appreciate the capacity of the mind to do things, but again, I think it takes something far more to begin to wade into the darkness of the uh, interior. And it's in so many ways, again, I believe we're nested in divine presence and it's just as creating space to step out of the cacophony of, of the wind of the monkey mind into the present. And over time, you know, I really believe, and Josh has heard me say this before, I think spiritual transformation, it rarely take place, takes place in these massive earthquake-like tectonic plate shifts where, you know, we might have a big aha moment or a big mountaintop experience emotionally, but I really believe most transformation is much more like gently lapping waves, just moving a few grains of sand at a time that, that in the moment, the change is imperceptible, but over weeks and months, you go back to that same landscape, it's been completely transformed. And you pulling one of these cards in the morning and thinking, holding it in your heart throughout the day, it is just these gently lapping waves that begin to transform your lens on life. And soon, I believe, you begin to have, you default more into a lens of gratitude and appreciation. You, you default more into the capacity to step off uh, a hamster wheel out of autopilot into the present moment. But it takes intention. I'm convinced it, it takes intention. It doesn't, it's not effort. And the intention, ironically, is not doing more shit in many ways. It's like not doing shit. It's like, it's like stepping out of the wind, not making more shit happen. And I feel like what you're doing by pulling that card is inviting yourself out of the wind to simply be and allow yourself to just to, to look at the beauty, the details, the nuance, and just simply in that activity of allowing yourself to be then all of this this new way of seeing uh, emerges. Um, I really think that's gorgeous. And 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 so for me, I, I have like, I've got things throughout the day that I chose to pop me off the hand. And now I've been doing them so long, they automatically pop me off the hamster. Down here in North Carolina, we have tons of bluebirds. And I've talked about this before, Josh, but like I, bluebirds, I just, I always say, I just can't believe when you see a, a bluebird flying in their wings with that, like indigo blue, I can't believe that color exists in nature. It's so beautiful. And any, and I see them all the time now, but anytime I see a bluebird, it's like, it's like the divine. It is like the divine reminding me that I'm immersed in love. And so I could be having the shittiest day. This has happened more than once where I'm having like the shittiest day where I'm locked in my ego and I'm, and I'm just not even aware that I am. I'm just grumpy and swirling. And then like a bluebird will fly past me and I'm like, it pierces right through my fog. And it's just this beautiful little invitation to, sometimes I take it, sometimes I don't. It's this beautiful invitation to open back up to the reality of the divine that we're immersed in, that we don't have to live kind of stuck uh, in that system. So all these little things that we can do that are just meant to pop us off the hamster wheel. Uh, and I think this tarot card practice is a gorgeous and spiritual and Jesus loved approach uh, to uh, to spiritual practice and the journey. I really, uh, you know, to to endorse it wholeheartedly um, as a gorgeous way to grow an awareness of the divine. So, uh, Brittany, thank you, thank you for being with us. And I would just ask you, like, if you could distill down your your book. Uh, your, your the reason for writing the book. What, what if there's one thing that you would love for your reader to walk away with, uh, and or maybe one thing that you know that that you say this is this is totally worth buying, uh, this book. Um, what 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 would that be? What what is your hope ultimately in writing it for the for your readers? Um, I really hope. And this is the reason I wrote the book. I really hope that 
it gives people permission. Like, I don't think anybody really needs permission um, to explore different ways of connecting with God. But I think people look for it all the same because we're only human. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope that this book makes people feel okay about the idea of um, using tarot in a prayerful way, that it, it will make it feel safe for them. Um, I really hope it, it opens doors for people. Um, and not just with tarot, but with like everything else too. Like, I, I mean, I think um, for me, the thing that I have um, really learned just sort of overall from my tarot practice is that like, I, I mean, who am I to say how God speaks to anyone, you know? Um, I think God is um, bigger and more expansive and more wonderful and more loving than we can imagine. And I think God can um, speak to us in all sorts of ways. But yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, I hope that the book helps people to feel like this is a, a safe and an okay thing to do. Um, and that, you know, it's not, it's not gonna send anybody to hell, <laughs> that it's, um, that it's, it can be one way among many, 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 many ways to um, connect with God. Yeah, I love it. And for me, um, your book just comes across as like this humble invitation uh, into something new, right? Into something that maybe uh, will work for somebody. And um, it just reminds me of like the, you know, the idea of like come and taste and see, you know? Um, and so I appreciate the humble invitation uh, into tasting and seeing uh, the beauty of contemplative tarot. So thank you so much uh, for your book and for hanging out with us today. Um, we'll be sure to, you know, link your book and such in the um, show notes. Uh, but is there anywhere else, like if people want to keep following the kind of things that you're doing, um, where you would like them to go? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram um, at blessed.vigil. Um, but you can also just search my name on Instagram and it'll come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, like social media wise, that's like basically where I hang out. <laughs> nice. I, I like Instagram. I feel like Twitter is just a place of vileness and evil. It's too much for me. <laughs> it's too much. I've I'll, never I'll been able with, to do it. Yeah, I'll stick with Instagram as well. Sweet. Um, yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, thank you, listeners. Brittany. Yeah. And uh, Greg, thanks for hanging out as well and putting up with my bullshit. That's always fun. That hey, you don't get right enough. Back you don't you, get enough credit for that, you know. No, no, dude. We're, it's it's <laughs> equally bullshit putting up with this. And and Brittany, thank you for your patience uh, as well. Uh, of course, this is yeah. fun. Hanging out with us, yeah. yeah. It, was it was great to have uh, you with us. Yes, and listeners, as always, uh, thanks for hanging out and go in peace, guys. <laughs> <laughs>